Hey, it's Clark. Before we get into today's podcast, I wanted to give you a heads up that producers Kim and Joel are on vacation this week. And so we are going back to our old format of you hearing calls instead of Kim and Joel asking the questions that you have posted for us for the show. So as soon as they're back, we'll go back to Kim and Joel being the ones asking questions you post at clark.com slash ask. So one category that has been brutally difficult for people to purchase has been laptops and tablets. And as so many people are spending so much more time away from their normal environment, and there was a huge demand for kids during the school year, who needed tablets or laptops, that it caused something I've never seen before in my life. I saw used laptops and Chromebooks and reconditioned ones selling for more than they had been new. But now supply and demand is starting to balance. Chinese factories have been back working for enough time now that inventories are starting to replenish. And then the new product introductions have started that would have started probably six weeks ago are starting to happen one by one. There are new uh, two-in-one Chromebooks that are shipping again that are in the $200 range, plus or minus. And then Amazon has just introduced two new Fire HD tablets. They're 8-inch screen tablets. And it's so funny because the Amazon ones are so cheap. They're one they call the Plus is $109. That's it. I mean, you think about buying tablets. They are not that kind of money. And they're going to be shipped the first week of June at that price and there's a cheaper one if you don't want to spend that you can get one that's a little basic for $89 I would say based on the specs buy the $109 one now Amazon sells these tablets so cheap because they're hoping that you'll use them as a gateway to buy all kinds of Amazon products but the reality is People generally use these tablets like people use an iPad or any Android tablet. They use it to consume video, to do uh, video chats of various types, and to read stuff. And so instead of paying hundreds of dollars for one, being able to pay 89 or 109 bucks is a great, great, great price. And... The performance of the Amazon tablets, it's not as good as it would be on a mid-price or higher Samsung or iPad, but they're still perfectly adequate for the typical uses that people would have for a tablet. Philip's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Philip. Hey, Clark. Thank you very much for taking my call today. And you have a question about warehouse clubs just in general. 
Yes. Yeah, so I've never been a member of one of those, um, but have, I'm starting to listen to your podcast on a very consistent basis. I'm, I'm in my late twenties and with how much stuff you and other callers talk about, you know, perks and, and connections you get through your membership, I feel like I'm left out of all the fun and the deals. So um, I wanted to ask your advice about maybe you just kind of talk to me like I'm stupid about this, but what is the benefit of joining a wholesale retailer? And unfortunately it's in my area, there's only one of the major two to three in my area. There might be the other one coming soon. So I wanted to kind of get your idea about which one's the best and stuff like that. And who's in your area, Philip? As of now, it's just Sam's club, but there may be a Costco coming. uh, I don't know, sometime within the next year or so there's rumors stirring about. Well, Costco and Sam's look the same from the outside, may look the same when you walk in the door, but they're very different in when you look at the merchandise. Probably about half of what each of them sell, the other sells, and they each have a very limited markup on items in the building. Sam's Club will not disclose what their maximum markup is, but Costco is open with it, and this is what makes the warehouse clubs different versus other retailers is by selling in such a no-frills, high-volume environment, Costco's maximum markup on anything in the building is 14%, except for anything that's their private label, which is 15%. Uh, When you look at the items in the store that both sell, there are so many that are the same, and the prices are so similar that it seems that Sam's Club must have a, a very similar but undisclosed markup to Costco. So what you're getting for just the basic purchase of merchandise is you're getting things at a, on a day-in and day-out basis. You're getting a much lower price than typically even sale prices at other stores because they do okay. massive volume and have very minimal staffing at these warehouse clubs. They also have a very limited number of items. So you're not going to find the variety that you're used to in another store. They sell a very limited number of items, dirt cheap. Um, Now, the differences between if you get a Costco in your area, um, Sam's and Costco get a different level of income shopper. And Sam's Club tends to get not the income level shopper that Costco does. And you'll see that reflected in the merchandise that's different one versus the other, that Costco tends to sell a higher quality of goods than you're going to find at Sam's. So they both offer uh, very good pricing, but geared towards a different customer base. And but if you're a premium card member, there's other stuff that you could potentially, uh, with a membership card, yeah, get like other at, than at Sam's, I'm going to buy a ton of stuff. Yeah, like at Sam's, there are prescription drugs you get free if you're a premium member. And they've got a list of what you get free. And then others you get as a premium Sam's member you get at extremely low prices, almost certainly lower than you'd find somewhere else, and usually lower than you have with a copay. If you have a prescription benefit through your insurance, the Sam's Club price for their premium members, their plus members, is often lower than what it would be with even somebody who has insurance. And then there are things for buying cars and uh, a variety of areas. Costco is a huge seller of travel for its members and rebates most of the commission from the travel you buy from them. So there are lots of reasons to be a member, but the really cool thing is that 
if you join and you don't like the warehouse club, you find you don't go, they have very liberal policies on refunding your membership fee. Okay. So it's a minimal risk kind of thing if you decide to become a member and then you're like, Clark so overhyped this, this is a waste of my time, it's a waste of my money, that guy has no idea what he's talking about, you just walk <laughs> right back in and you get that membership refunded. Costco gives you back the full amount, Sam's Club gives you a prorated amount based on how long you've been a member. Ken is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ken. Hey, Clark. Good to talk to you. I'm a big fan and uh, thought you might be the one to give me some advice on some car insurance with my daughter. She's 19. She's had one accident and recently got a ticket. And I'm wondering at what point... Oh, she's doing you all kinds of favors, isn't she? Yeah. Please tell me she wasn't hurt in the accident. No, she was fine. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned they total out the car and, and they totaled it out and it was not even a uh, a bad accident. So between that and this pending ticket, I'm wondering, is it better to get her off my policy for any liability <laughs> issues, let alone the cost? Well, so, and your daughter's how old? She's 19. Same age, same age as my son. daughter. And I have a 16-year-old son that hit too, and it's killing me. Go ahead. Sorry so to cut you off. Uh, my daughter uh, now only gets around by Uber and Lyft because it was cheaper to do that than to pay the cost of auto insurance for her and the cost of maintaining a vehicle for her to drive. And, I mean, it, you're looking at, with her having a moving violation and an accident, uh, your insurer is not going to give you happy news at all. Yeah, if I tried to shop it, I guess my rates would just be just as high or better. I mean, I like the insurance company I'm with. It's one you recommend, so I I hate to take her off of it. I have to max everything out because I have an umbrella policy, too, so that was actually affected a little bit by her, too. Sure. And so my my daughter, when she first got her license, increased our insurance costs – I'm going by memory, but it was around $4,400 a year extra. <laughs> yeah, she's at um, she's at 2000 a year. My son's at 2200 a year. And then uh, between my wife and I, we're at around 6500 a year. So your 16-year-old, how important is driving to your 16-year-old? If maybe <laughs> your 16-year-old should be moving around by Uber and Lyft instead. Well, that might be a point. I promised him a car if he'd get a job when it when he turned 16. So he got a job and now he has a car. And <laughs> I hate to pull it back from him. Sure. Um, yeah. The, the good I, news, a lot of teenagers don't like driving. Very different from the era <laughs> I came up in. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of his friends. It's funny. So uh, he couldn't wait to start. What about liability issues of, of her being on my insurance? Can that ever transfer to me if she was in an accident or something? Yes. So if she is fully your dependent, even if you kick her off and she's on her own insurance, it is potentially possible that if she were found liable in an accident as a dependent, depending on your state, you may wow. find that that you are someone that that the other side's going after. Got it. Got it. And my and, wife and said, well, we is, were paying the... 
the go premiums, ahead. we might be liable anyway. So exactly. So this is one of those things, you know, uh, younger drivers tend to have a higher accident rate. So the risk level is higher, the premiums are higher, and then once something happens, then it's even a bigger issue. So I, I don't have an easy answer for you. In most situations, it's still cheaper to have her on your own insurance, though, than to kick her out to have her own independent policy and vehicle. So it's just one of those times of life that is really costly having a kid. Michelle is with us. Michelle. Yes. Hi. How's Hi. it feel every time your phone rings? You think it's friend, but it's foe at the other end of the line. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Nuts, isn't it? So uh, I want you to make a non-scientific guess. Mm-hmm. Of every 10 calls you get, how many of those 10 do you think are from spammers? Nine. Okay, so mathematically, you're either a very unlucky person or you're just exaggerating because the number now is 5 out of 10. Oh, is it? Well, mine has gone up exponentially in the past week. Just in the last week? Yes, and I actually, yesterday morning, I followed through on their prompts to talk to somebody. Oh, Oh, I wouldn't have done that if you'd asked me. Go ahead. Well, three times I did it, and I got hung up on three times. But one time, the last one, I actually got somebody very nice. And I pretended I wanted to buy their product because I I didn't know what they were selling. (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So so he said, well, can you tell me what kind of insurance you have? I said, no, I'm not going to tell you that. He said, well, I can't tell you anything unless you tell me. So we got into this little discussion. He actually, I finally said to him, look, I'm an elderly woman who sits at home a lot, and I'm tired of these calls. So he said, ma'am, I'm going to try and get you on the no-call list. Now, that was yesterday morning. Today, I have not had one call. Now, did that work? So let me tell you about the do-not-call list. So there's the federal do-not-call list that used to work exceptionally well. Yes. And legitimate companies would not call you, and and people are not supposed to call you on your cell phone unless they have permission, but it's for home phones. And so it, the website's do not call.gov, and yes. if you register there, legitimate I have. junk phone calls will not happen. I have no idea what could have happened between yesterday and today that you're not getting the spammers calling you. Um, I don't know if it's just... An odd Might occurrence. Be a coincidence, yeah. Yeah, I think it's coincidence. So you are talking about answering a home phone, I'm gathering. Right, a landline. Okay. Wow, they still exist? All right. Yeah. So anyway, with, yes. your, with your landline, do you have caller ID? Yes. So uh, simply, if you don't recognize the number, please never answer it. Well, the problem is then you, it builds up your um, voicemail. So what I normally do, I pick it up and hang it up. Uh, you can do that, um, but I find that I can delete those messages so quickly from my voicemail that I like that. how do we get them? How, how do we get... I actually received a telephone call from my husband on the phone that I was talking on. He was sitting next to me. Right. Three times. Right. How are they allowed to do this? Caller ID spoofing. Well, it's against the law. Uh, the technology is something that exists 
to stop that, but only now are the phone companies starting to implement it on cellular. And I think that there's going to be enough market pressure that you're going to see both cell phone companies and landline companies implement the technology that will eliminate the caller ID spoofing, where someone will pretend to be the IRS, as I've talked about, or whatever else. So it is a process. Right now, though, the best thing is, well, I assume you want to answer from your husband, but the best thing otherwise, if you don't recognize the number, just don't answer the phone. Great having you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com are our websites. And what you do with credit and credit cards from here has made a pretty big shift. First, I wanted to tell you that people's use of credit cards has fallen by rates no one has seen in two generations. People have really pulled back on spending on anything that is something that would be considered to be an optional purchase. And I'm not talking about the 25% of us, more or less, who are suffering from unemployment or underemployment right now. I'm talking about overall, people's use of credit has changed. And what they think of buying so different. And I want to talk about what kind of credit card is best to have now. If you are someone who pays your credit cards in full each month, then you may have, as so many people do, some kind of reward card, typically with an annual fee. I talked recently about how irrelevant all the travel-related reward cards seem to be. But the thing that the smart money is running to right now are cards that are cash back that offer a hefty cash back amount. And I want to tell you about a new contestant in the beauty contest of cash back. And beauty is defined by me at 2% cash back. Two. Every dollar you charge, two cents comes back to you in cash for you to do with what you wish. PayPal now has a brand new cashback MasterCard. I never liked PayPal's original credit card. That one still exists. But this one is simply called PayPal Cashback MasterCard, and it pays a flat rate 2%. One of our writers at Clark.com, Nick, did a deep dive on the PayPal Cashback MasterCard and could not find gotchas on it. And it is it is one that has run-of-the-mill kind of things that go with it, but the reason you have a cashback card is to earn that cash back. Now, the highest out there, and the PayPal card's good, the City Double Cash is good, the Fidelity Investments cashback cards all pay 2%. If you are somebody, though, who charges everything you possibly can on a credit card and you want the maximum amount of cash back, there's actually one that has an annual fee called the Alliant Cashback Card. 
but if you charge mega volume, you easily overcome the annual fee because you get 2.5% cash back on everything. This doesn't work for you, though, unless you are like a business owner or somebody who pays for everything you do in huge amounts every month on a credit card. Bren is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Bren. Hi. Good afternoon. So, Bren, you are at a decision tree in your life with your wheels. <laughs> That's right. I am. I believe I've heard you talk about this before. I think you said you could negotiate your residual amount. All right. So what to- we're talking about here, you've been in a lease for how long of your vehicle? A little over three years. It, it, it comes up for action the end of May. Okay. So is your lease with a major automaker's leasing arm, or is it with a bank? Dealership. Well, just because it's a dealership, that doesn't mean it's... Oh, it's not with a bank. It's with them. Oh, it is with the automaker? Yes. All right. So automakers generally will not negotiate on residual value. Mm, And the reason they don't is they don't want to alienate their franchise dealers. Because if they make a deal with you, then it hurts the dealer two ways. Because the vehicles often will end up back on dealers' used car lots if it's turned in, and the dealer loses a chance to sell you something else or lease you something else. So the banks that, that don't have car dealers or anything, they're the ones that are all ears and want to negotiate as you come to the end of a lease. Because they don't want the vehicle. Same thing for if a credit union ever arranges a lease for you. They don't want it. So with the automakers, when they do a lease, they probably would rather you just make a deal with you, but that's not how it's going to play. So then it brings up a different question. The residual value that it says you'd have to pay to buy the vehicle at the end of the lease, is it a good deal for you or not? I think so. I checked Edmunds and whatever, and the price that they're asking is in line with what I see on there, and I'll drive it until the wheels come off, so, or so, almost come off, as you say. So the advantage of that is you know the vehicle. You, It's not an unknown like most used vehicle purchases would be. You know it, you've driven it, and so it makes it a much safer used vehicle purchase than buying one that has somebody else's history with it. So how many miles do you have on it versus how many miles you were allowed in the lease? I'm short about a thousand, I guess. So you're like right at the expected, pretty much the expected range of miles you'd use. Yes. So that would eliminate one of the financial arguments for buying a lease vehicle. So then it comes down strictly to this. Have you, if you've loved the vehicle, then that would make it a great argument to buy the vehicle. Can you pay cash for it or will you be taking out a new loan? I can pay cash for it. So that's great. If you can pay cash, just at the end of the lease, let them know you're going to exercise your right to buy it and just buy it, own it, and drive it. I have one question. Yeah. How would I be certain that it is leased from the automaker? I said that it was. I think it is. But I'm if not you go positive. look at your lease, it will have 
the automaker's name in it, usually if it is a manufacturer's lease, if it's a bank, it's going to have the bank name on it. So that's how you would tell the actual leasing documents themselves. Okay. And okay. and then again, the if it is a bank, make an offer lower than what the stated residual is. Make it about fifteen hundred dollars below that, since the value seems to be equivalent from what you've looked online, and just negotiate because it's worth it to them to not have to take that thing back. It's worth maybe maybe not fifteen hundred, but it's worth a decent amount of money for them not to have to have your vehicle in their hands. Henry's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Henry. Hello, Clark, my hero. This is an exciting moment to get to speak with you. Well, it's great to have you here, Henry. That's quite a build-up for me. I'm a long-time listener. I wanted to say one of the memorable shows years ago, maybe 50 years ago, but I don't think you've been on the air that long, you interviewed your mom. And I don't think she was that happy to be on the air, but I thought Clark's just trying to get brownie points to be the number one child. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, I was never the number one child with my mom, my late mom. But I've been on the air 32 years, and it was an idea that our producer Krista had to put my mom on the air because my mom, when she was living, was very opposite the way I am about money. And so it was a a very funny idea interview I did with my mom who could never figure out how I ended up with my attitudes about money since it definitely didn't come from her. Oh, okay. Well, how can I serve you? Recently, I'm on one of your blogs or email lists. I get an email from you daily. And once recently, you had the four best phone companies. And you left off Consumer Cellular, and I'm a long-time user of Consumer Cellular, and I love them. The price is right. I really go for customer service, and I get it from them. There's never a surprise or a gotcha or a hassle. Or If you need customer service, you get a really quick response from a person who speaks clear English, probably somebody in the United States, and I love them. And so I just think you should add them to your best list. All right, so let me tell you about Consumer Cellular. They are the highest rated in Consumer Reports. They have the highest customer satisfaction rating of any company, and they have a score that is so high, it's shocking, because their score is an 89, which almost nobody ever gets a score that high from Consumer Reports. The well, reason the reason that you don't hear me talk a lot about them is their plans tend to be geared towards people who don't use their phones like so many people do now where they're looking at their phone 5000 times a day. Yeah, you're talking about old fogies like me. And I well, know I don't listen I don't look at it that much. <laughs> I did not say that, but the thing is the plan, are you on the $20 a month plan with Consumer Cellular? Yes, and then I have, I think it's five, maybe 10 gigabytes of data. I think my bill is $20 a month for unlimited talk and text, and then the data is extra, and my total bill is $42.90. And one of the things I really like about them is if you go over your data, well, they just jump you up to the next level. There's no guilt. Oh, no, I got you. You, you, right. you This um, 
so anyway, um, I'm glad to hear that, that they're appreciated by other people besides me. No, they and are. Yes, they am, are considered to be the best. Now, I wanted to talk about who people use who tend to like to use data a lot that gets they there's just just a whisker behind consumer cellular which i don't think we write about much about them either is google fi uh what used to be called project fi which is google's own cellular service both incredible scores and google fi is really for people who travel all the time especially people who travel overseas it's a phenomenal plan and just like consumer cellular they don't rip you off if you need extra data or whatever, or you use less than you expected, both companies do a great job in how they treat you on that score. So thank you for bringing it up because it is something I should mention, and I never really mention consumer cellular because it is geared towards a different audience than what I'm most often hearing from asking us about cell phone plans. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jonathan joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, how you doing, Clark? Great, thank you. So congratulations are in order? Um, yeah, yeah, actually they are. Uh, it's the good old military way. We actually, I was stationed in Fort Bragg and then got told that I was moving to Alaska. And so we got married previously and then we're actually going to do like our actual wedding uh, coming this summer. Well, thank you for your service to our country. I appreciate it. So how can I be of service on uh, the actual ceremony you have coming? So my question, actually, I know you get asked it all the time. and I'm, I always laugh because I'm like, oh, if someone's already asked that. I should go find it. And this one thing I actually couldn't find. Um, we so like obviously we already got married and we have a house um, and we had to get a lot of the stuff for the house. So we're not, we don't want to do a normal registry. Um, I know you've talked about like the honeymoon funds and all of that, but the ones that my wife and I have been able to find, there's like high percentage rates um, that they like try and take back. So we were trying to figure out like a different way where we're not giving away the money that people are giving us just for a service to collect that money. Yeah. So that's a great question. And there are sites specifically devoted to, weddings and marriage that have the things where people donate money because so many couples now want only cash and that makes you completely normal i mean people don't want a traditional gift sent anymore and Mm -hmm. so 
I don't know if Zola is one of the ones you looked at. Did you look at Zola? No, we've uh, there's a couple. My wife is doing all the the wedding side of it. I'm just trying to figure out like the the financial side. Yeah, of it. so this is easy. I mean, you know, you got the people who are giving you money. There's credit card merchant fees that mm-hmm. have to be paid. And what I like about Zola, their big rival is the Knot. Yeah, I, that was actually one of the websites that she has mentioned. I know that for sure. So with the knot, the person giving you the money has to pay the fee. And so okay. that's kind of burning them. You know, here they're giving you money and they're having to pay to give you money. And exactly, so what Zola exactly. does, Zola gives you the choice of you and your wife paying the, I think it's two and a half percent, which is kind of standard run of the mill for the credit card processing. And so I like Zola because you can designate money for different purposes. You can have people can donate to a honeymoon fund or they can donate to a furniture fund or, um, you know, any whatever the special circumstance you want to designate or just, hey, give us money as our wedding gift fund, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I said, we have everything for our house and now it's almost like hey we want to pay off everything we've gotten for our house and so it was it's one of those like awkward conversations everyone's like oh what do you want and then we're like uh what we really need is money people understand that today and you know what you make it a lot easier for them because do you think people really want to go to some store buy something have to get it wrapped then put it in a package and send it Exactly. That's the thing, too, is we're in Alaska, so it's not the cheapest of places to send stuff. Right. And it's a long so way, to, too. Exactly. Trying to make, uh, make it happen so that people aren't paying an arm and a leg for something. So this is your life for three years. She must really love you that she followed you to Alaska for three yeah, years of duty. Um, she moved up to North Carolina where I was at. And like I said, I came down on orders. Um, and then we, we're here in Alaska now. I've got three more years, but can't really complain. Alaska's Alaska's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah, we actually went and watched the Iditarod start this weekend. So did it's something you? a lot of people can't say they did. Wow. See, I just don't do cold weather. That's my problem. Yeah, I was born and raised in Florida. So the cold is something I'm definitely adjusting to, but we we actually plan on staying up here for long term. Oh, that's great. That's really neat. Well, check out Zola.com, Z-O-L-A.com. I think that's the one you should use and absorb the fee. Don't have the people giving you money charged a fee. And I hope you have a wonderful life together. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.